Hi, editing Cindy here. I just wanted to pop in and say while Kim and I were recording this episode, we had a few drops in audio, so I'll be probably inserting myself a little bit to clarify what words were dropped. Hopefully it'll be as seamless as I can get it. Uh, no promises. But I hope you enjoy anyways. Hi friends and welcome to a Welcome Rarity podcast. I'm Cindy Lin and last week you might have remembered that I was talking to my friend Kim. Um, it's still this same time but I'm just gonna <laughs> release it a week after. So Kim, you wanna briefly introduce yourself and then we'll talk about sustainability. Hi everyone, glad to be back. <laughs> um, in case you're new, um, my name is Kim. I'm one of, I'd like to think I'm one of Cindy's closest friends. Oh, of course, I'm um, always a fan of everything Cindy does oh. and I'm definitely one of her biggest cheerleaders. Um, and honestly, we're just rolling with it and this is just us talking and rambling on. So feel yeah. free to eavesdrop and listen in on the conversation. I like that. I think it's fun when podcasts are kind of just like you're listening to two friends talking. Yeah, I just hope we don't come across as like too chaotic. I mean, I feel like the best relationships are chaotic or maybe that's just me. Like I'm chaotic. <laughs> and then by association, everyone who comes in contact with me is also chaotic. Mm. I mean, we all attract a certain type of crazy. Oh my god, that's that's beautiful. <laughs> Title: A certain type of crazy. <laughs> okay, um, we were going to talk about sustainability. Yeah, I feel like I don't have many friends I can talk very deeply about sustainability with. Kim is one of my few friends that I can talk very deeply and passionately about sustainability with. Um, I think it's started in college because we were literally a part of an organization that surrounded sustainability from many different um, mm -hmm. angles, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of where our friendship really developed, was in leadership of that organization <laughs> and helping each other in that. So yeah, let's talk about sustainability. I kind of talked about a little bit in my very yes. first episode yes. when people ask us about sustainability. So it's interesting that I took like, what, 10 episodes, yeah. 11 episodes for me to talk about sustainability. Yeah. So let's go. Yeah. I mean, sustainability is such a broad term. Yes. I feel like people don't take a minute to really reflect on what it means to them. Mm. I think oftentimes people just equate sustainability to eco-friendliness yes or green or green and like Whatever you green know means. green it's you kind of walk the fine line of like perhaps greenwashing yes right i think organizational sustainability organizational sustainability yes, that's actually one of my favorite types of sustainability i do yeah me too i think i think one char characteristic of sustainability is the empowerment Mm. of something mm -hmm. giving an entity a voice yes right? yeah definitely. recognizing what's going on yeah mm -hmm. um and being able to just support it for anyone who doesn't really understand what we mean by or organizational sustainability mm -hmm. it's kind of like well i guess it does kind of speak for itself but it's like um an organization structure its leadership or how it's built it's sustainable as in like if you could take a piece away from it take mm -hmm. a person away from it or maybe many peoples, mm -hmm. many persons away from it. And the structure of the organization is so sustainable that it will sustain. It'll remain okay. It'll keep going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll remain, yeah, it'll keep going on. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I think because sustainability was so, such a big part of the college organization we were part of, and we were on leadership, and sustainability of the organization equated with sustainability of membership and leadership and creating the next leaders and creating the next mentors and whatever of the next generation in order to keep the organization going. I think we think about it a lot more than Mm -hmm. I think other people do Mm -hmm. because we were kind of forced to because the way we saw it was like we were very strategic and very specific and uh, what's the word? deliberate Mm -hmm. with how we ran the organization or how we even just existed in it because we were always very aware of how do we keep this going Mm -hmm. how do we keep this organization sustainable Mm -hmm. it's not a very typical college mindset right um, but that's what we did yeah and I think as marketers because we both studied marketing marketing together um Another consideration is like the definition of what is of what is sustainable yes. always changes or means something different to the crowd today. Yeah. Right. And or the interaction yeah. right. And the interactions with the idea of sustainability. The idea of sustainability always changes. Yes. So I think one thing that I personally struggled with because I'm very uh, very much a logic oriented person. Mm-hmm. I need things to be black and white and outlined mm-hmm. for me. I expected there to be some sort of um, static definition and rubric Mm. as to how we can um, judge or measure how the things we consume are stacking up against this Mm. idea or standard of sustainability. But that expectation has, like, led me to really struggle with, like, how I determine what lifestyle choices and changes I want to make because... It's, very it's constantly changing. Yeah, right? and I think if you stick with this uh, very boxed-in definition, you mm-hmm. limit yourself a lot in not only what you can do sustainably, but also just like what you can do in general. Right. Um, I think, similarly to you, maybe it's because we kind of grew into sustainability mm-hmm. within the four walls of this organization. We thought sustainability meant this, mm-hmm. right? And I think it was actually with you that I went to other organizations um, on campus. And I was like, oh, sustainability means something different to these engineering students, right. this, um, these science kids. Yeah. I don't know what the, their majors were because we were so, so business school oriented. Mm-hmm. But like we saw these kids who were like the vegan club, the environmental club, a composting mm-hmm. club, like all these people have their different definitions of sustainability and all have... A different framework in which they view the world right and I think it really opened my eyes to like oh I really think what I bring to the table is I think a lot about organizational sustainability but what like the composting people were talking about was like food waste mm-hmm. veganism club was like well also food waste but like mm-hmm. just like the pollution that goes into the environment by using animal products in everything, not just consu- not just eating, but like everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you start to see like how engineers have to think about sustainability and like uh, food sciences people and everything. Like everyone has their own version of sustainability and it didn't match mine. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anyone was wrong. I was just like, oh, I have to really open my eyes and expand upon what sustainability is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. even then we don't really, really have a definition now. It's kind of just like, Right. How do we keep things going is yeah. kind of where I am now with my definition of sustainability. Yeah. I guess first, shout out to An, who brought us actually both 
to that, yeah, to that coalition. Yeah. yeah. But also, secondly, I think sustainability is very much something that should be top of, top of mind for yes, everyone. Yes. Um, if you're a consumer of anything, right. you should be thinking about it. Right. And like, you know, at the end of the day, I know I'm always cautious and wary of like the potential marketing or buzzwords that, oh, you yes. know, that different companies use and tag onto their products, yep. like sustainable, like um, free from, whatever all um, these buzzwords yeah. are. But I think like, honestly, when it comes down to it, sustainability is also just the process of really focusing on, in on the costs whenever like com- mm. you know we know that companies are interested on the cost benefit yes. of all their decisions and they want to maximize the benefits and mm. like the proceeds that come out of it but honestly sustainability is you know mitigating all of the negative byproducts mm. of that goes into creating whatever your output is mm-hmm. um in order to keep your business or whatever mm. your process is going yeah so i feel like sustainability in all its form it it comes in many different forms for everyone and Mm -hmm. I think we definitely should all like learn more about it yeah and I think sustainability is also difficult Mm -hmm. because it requires long-term vision right if that makes sense Um, like when you speak about businesses and how they should be viewing sustainability or rather how they're not viewing sustainability um, I think about just like from such a basic level of resources if you deplete all the resources mm-hmm. that the earth has to provide for you to create your business, whether it be oil for energy or food or animals, whatever it may be, you deplete the earth of it and you can't create any more. Right. Your business model is not sustainable because there was a time where your material will be completely gone and you can't run your business anymore. Right. So I think about that, but no one... And I've said this to, like, my father and, like, other people who are also in business. And they're like, yeah, but, like, you have to think about, like, right now, people's jobs right now, Mm -hmm. the bottom line right now. Sustainability really requires businesses and consumers to think in Mm -hmm. the long term, which is not, at least in America, which is where we are, is Mm -hmm. not the thing we do. We think very in the moment, very spontaneous, very irrational sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of... Where I th- why I think America is where it is now, where we don't really think about sustainability um, because it's not a part of our culture, too. Mm-hmm. It's very much like impulse buying right. and hoarding right. and like, I need this thing, I need the new thing. Right. Um, and I think that's actually the biggest change in my life that I've had since adopting sustainability is just like, I try and buy less things, mm-hmm. um, things that I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the, I guess, mindsets that people might struggle with and might act as a roadblock for people on their journeys to incorporate concepts and ideas of sustainability Mm -hmm. into their lifestyles is the fact that we have a concept of all or nothing. I think there's a sense of urgency Mm, that people recognize. Yeah, Yeah, that people recognize, like... Mm -hmm. People know that like adopting or changing like consumption habits is something that's inevitable. That's mm-hmm. something that should be important to us. But I think the drawback or the thing that people are scared about is that they don't want to sacrifice any quality of life mm-hmm. yep. because they feel like this is a very abrupt change. I think people mm-hmm. need to realize that, recognize that this is a gradual thing. We can each mm-hmm. take steps 
to slowly incorporate bits and pieces of it into it. We don't yeah. need to... I mean, they're like you, you're gonna have to sacrifice some things, but it's not like yeah. all of a sudden, yeah, you drop something. I think I told you this before, like making your own convenience or um, finding your own convenience. Like favorite thing. That's my favorite thing because, like, honestly, I'm the laziest person ever, <laughs> and like things have to be like right in front of me mm-hmm. in order for me to choose that as like mm. the way I live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, since moving into a city, I've been telling Cindy and like other friends that. You know, I, like, make sure I always have extra tote bags in my backpack or in my main bag. (laughs) My bag. My bag bag. Um, And then I also carry around, like, reusable... Yeah, utensils, Tupperware. I think people, when they go into restaurants, they always think, oh, it's, like, kind of weird to bring your own Tupperware Mm -hmm. and then ask them to fill it in. Like, restaurants won't do that for you, but it never hurts to ask. Yeah. And, you know sometimes like restaurants care about that and, yeah like, they they're touched that you do that and ask that oh really you yeah had that? yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so like creating your own convenience and figuring out what's what aspects of your life can be altered a little bit mm-hmm. in order to reduce waste yeah well, now this is spe- this is speaking specifically to like environmental sustainability oh, yeah. i guess mm-hmm. yeah, but um i think that's like a first very realistic step that everyone can take that's a very good point you bring up i think i didn't really truly understand what you meant until just now (laughs) if i'm being honest where like i feel like for me i'm very like targeted well the way when i say targeted, i mean like on instagram when i'm scrolling instagram's algorithm has learned that i'm interested in Mm -hmm. eco-friendly or sustainable or zero waste whatever products Right. right i have this very catered Um, algorithm to me now so I know that they're very aware that I like these things Um, and I think as I was you know making my own money and becoming more independent and stuff I wanted to be very careful with what I spent my money on and what did I support and I think I very much was like I got very anxious and I think this is I don't it's there's a term for it but you get like kind of anxious over like oh my god like the world is doomed and i need to do everything i can right now Mm -hmm. i need to buy all of the things that are biodegradable i need to buy all the things i need to start composting i need to like stop consuming everything Mm -hmm. um and i got very worked up about it and it Mm -hmm. kind of like froze me in growing in how i wanted to become a more sustainable person Mm -hmm. i think i thought i had to jump into a waste tree lifestyle. I had to jump into mm-hmm. sustainability. And when in actuality, it's what you said, you have to find your way of doing it using your own definition of sustainability or eco-friendly or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And what works for you is going to be what you can stick with. And that's ultimately what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I, I can't remember to keep utensils in my bag, so I leave a fork at the office. <laughs> that's my sustainable. Yeah. That's my convenience, mm-hmm. and I just wash it and I use it. And um, yeah, and then I keep I keep plates and cups in my desk yeah. because I can't remember to bring it with me. But I guess our environments are different. Like you're in a city, mm-hmm. like I'm in a suburb, so it's mm-hmm. a, it's a very different um, type of thing. I think just the fact that I like refuse utensils and straws now is like a little weird for some people mm-hmm. um my parents don't understand it at all mm. do your parents understand they understand it my mom like since 
as far as I can remember, my mom, like, say, like, if mm-hmm. if we get takeout or yeah. go to a restaurant and they, like, drop in, like, like plastic utensils mm-hmm. and things like that, my mom would actually save them. Oh, okay. Um, and not throw them out just in case, like, if we had, like, a family outing, we would mm-hmm. take those with us. Um, if they're only gently used honestly, we would rewash them. Yeah. Um, and then use them later on because like I heard I forget what where the source is uh-huh. but it's like X amount of times if you use plastic X amount of times you mm-hmm. kind of like get more of its worth yeah I know what you're saying in. like yeah. yeah I think something along the lines of like let's say you reuse something that was meant to be single use at least right. once or twice right. you've made it now kind of worth it yeah um, because you've used it that one extra or two extra mm-hmm. times um, so that's also something you can do. Like, don't feel guilty for having plastic things. Right. Just like you, you're allowed to reuse them. Right. You're allowed to continue on that life, expand its life. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of. Yeah, that's just that's honestly the the reason why single use plastic is kind of bad is because we're we're supposed to use it once and throw it away for convenience. Yeah. But if you're willing to hang on to it and reuse it, it actually makes it not a detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I remember when I was little, I used to be kind of embarrassed about this, but you know how, like, when you go back to school, there's always the list of Mm -hmm. back-to-school items you need to purchase, and, like, all of the kids got, like, new things Mm. to bring to school and things like that, but... Like those, like book socks, especially oh, book socks. Book socks, right? Mm-hmm. Those were a thing. Yeah. Um, I what my book parents socks. would do is they would use old, large, like calendars or Ooh. like those paper bags from like, Trader Joe's bags, or yeah. like things like that to like fold and create mm-hmm. kind of like a book cover. And it's honestly, actually better. It's better it, yeah. because like no other kid could draw freely drawn their books. And Kim's an artist. If honestly, you guys listened to the last episode, <laughs> maybe that kind of fed into it. You yeah. know, like I would always use like draw doodle on the back of scrap mm-hmm. paper. Yeah. Um, we would always make paper dolls like yeah. as a kid. Um, a lot of origami happening oh my gosh, <laughs> with yeah. scrap paper, uh-huh. but like also like gri- gift wrapping paper. Oh, I'm, that I'm was, starting to do that now. Honestly, yeah. like looking back, like kids, we always like the bright and shiny thing. Mm-hmm. But honestly, those aren't the best for yeah. the environment. You know, you can't recycle wrapping paper. Yeah, because of the gloss. And yeah, the glitter, you can't. Right? You can't. No, it's. I think it's um the metal. Like if it's a shiny metallic or something, you can't. Okay. It might be have to do with the the finish gotcha. i wouldn't i don't know what type of finish they use uh-huh um but yeah you can't recycle you cannot recycle mm. wrapping paper it's very sad yeah but um, on the topic of wrapping paper i would also be that kid who would like carefully unwrap their gifts <laughs> and then mm. save the wrapping paper mm. for another wow you've just been an eco warrior since <laughs> the very beginning like i thought it was normal well, like some of these things. That's nice though yeah. that you grew up with that being a little more normal. Mm-hmm. I think I think about like how I'm gonna like raise a kid one day to like are they gonna think mom's super weird because she wants <laughs> to reuse things and I, I don't know. But I want to like I mean thinking about sustainability, if I'm gonna be super cheesy about it, I wanna raise a person to be in the next generation to think about these things and have be mindful of what mm-hmm. they're consuming and be mindful of how it's made and who made it and where mm-hmm. right because it's important yeah but definitely like besides like considering the byproducts mm-hmm. every of everything like your output definitely it all comes down to like how much you're consuming and that's mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. 
a pain point <laughs> yeah we just live in a society that consumes a lot yeah and it's um glorified to consume a lot mm-hmm. so it's hard to be it's hard to be an eco warrior these days yeah. no it's just yeah it's a little difficult because people don't get it sometimes if you're lucky you have friends who do but like i said like i'm the one friend who's like doesn't do fast fashion doesn't want to use like Mm -hmm. single use um items and stuff like that but like all my friends still do Mm -hmm. like my like i have friend groups and stuff that they all still kind of do that i mean you even told me today that you still use amazon yeah and i'm uh, i'm telling you (laughs) convenience Convenience, convenience is something <laughs> but like i i understand yeah i can't be mad at kim for that's another <laughs> thing don't be mad at your friends for not being at the same level or the same place right. in their sustainability journey or whatever like i actually consider kim to be more than i am but then i was like you use amazon but like <laughs> i understand it's convenience that's why it is the monopoly it is mm-hmm. because it is so convenient mm-hmm you know, and people want that. Yeah. Yeah. Sidebar, though, okay. if you're using Amazon, use smile.amazon.com oh, yeah. instead so that some of, you know, the revenue or the profit goes to an organization of your choice. That's true. <laughs> I always forget about that. But I also haven't bought from Amazon in yeah. a while. But if I do, mm-hmm. I will remember that. Yeah. I think it's always important to consider the life cycle of the things you consume from from its production to where it goes even after you've gotten use out of it. Yeah, Um, we don't think about the disposal. We really don't. Life part. What is it? The disposal stage of the life cycle. Right. Right? Yeah. Actually, no one does. Like, especially businesses who are making it, they don't don't have any part in that, Mm -hmm. right? I think as a business person or like again Kim and I went to business school together as someone who studied business it's actually very I don't know if the word is scary disheartening or whatever that like when people create things they're not thinking about the end of its life when it's disposed of because mm-hmm. we don't think about disposal we think of it as it disappears mm-hmm. right I mean that's what I want to do in business is really I mean not I don't know if I can really like be a supply chain person or whatever and do it, but like have that in mind, be a mindful employee, be a mindful business person, mm-hmm. you know, and my input and my ideas and my framework of how I believe things should happen will influence yeah. things. That's how I believe it to yeah. be. That's what our organization kind of ingrained in me. It's like, I can make a difference. Yeah, I yeah. guess channeling Marie Kondo. <laughs> Maybe we could challenge each other, like beyond thinking, does this bring me joy? Also consider, can this bring other people joy? So we can figure out, like, can we be a part of, like, can we be a channel to like bring what we consume Mm -hmm. so that it can bring utility to other people as well? Wow, you are really deep with that one. Because to me, I was just like, if this doesn't bring me true joy, I shouldn't buy this random knickknack. Okay. But you're like thinking like way deeper. No, I. so you're thinking at the consumption point. Yes, I'm I, thinking of the disposal point. Uh, yeah. See, I just told you no yeah. one thinks about disposal, including me when I bring it up. No, but then I'm not even thinking about, like, you know, really filtering through what I consume. Oh, oh my God. We're so, so we're, compatible. <laughs> we're like, we just fit with each other. But yeah, I think that also is just an example of how there's so much to think about 
when it comes to these things and I don't blame people for being exhausted by the mm-hmm. amount of information that goes into being a thoughtful consumer right um there's so much to think about yeah I think also it's just we're afraid that we're doing it r- wrong wrong yeah right and we want to yeah. be so right so that yeah. no one can like point fingers because like getting called out is a very scary thing but it's also I to me it's I feel like a lot's at stake mm-hmm. I mean if someone calls me out well I guess I've been fortunate enough that no one has called <laughs> me out I'm sorry I called you out for using Amazon <laughs> no I called myself out earlier when we were grabbing food yeah yeah <laughs> um what were we saying oh to me I just feel like there's so much at stake so I don't want to make a mistake. Mm. The earth is at stake. Is mm. how I, like and it goes back to what I was saying. Like I put you put so much pressure on yourself to be zero waste or to make the least imprint that you can um, mm-hmm. because you feel like so much is at stake. The world is at stake, and everyone living on it is at stake. Right? At least that's how I see it, and it's kind of dramatic to see it that way. But ultimately, if nothing changes, it gets to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I want to do everything right because I feel like it's just so, so, so important. And then I kind of like hype myself up and then I get really tense and, Mm -hmm. you know, you just get very anxious over this idea of like, how do I make a difference and how do I help the things that are happening? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is all from the consumer level too. We're not, we didn't even get into corporations (laughs) and how they're the ones who produce what, 90% of carbon emissions in the world or something (laughs) there's like a meme going around where like like oh companies love to remind you of how you individually can lower your carbon footprint but never talk about how they're the ones that Mm. create the majority of the pollution in the world because Mm. that's what happens Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i guess this is kind of like late belated i guess but um, I guess like last weekend, so like uh-huh. what September nineteenth ish was uh-huh. World Cleanup Day. Was it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> so for all of you guys listening, um, even if you feel comfortable or not uncomfortable with like conducting your own individual or group cleanup of like trash and things like that, um, un- you could actually do some things from the comfort of your home. Yeah. If you go to worldcleanupday.org there's like a digital cleanup that Uh you can still do the easiest thing to do is go through your inbox like everyone most people have emails right so what people don't know is like for those uh newsletters or you know emails that you're subscribed to even if you don't open them and kind of just delete them they still take up space and use energy even if you leave something unread or read in your inbox for over a year i think that equated to like baking using the oven for like 10 hours are you serious yeah so you should be really going through your inbox to see what you're using and not using um you guys can i did not know that (laughs) you guys can check my stats but like it's all on the site and they have like link to me and i'll put it in the description (laughs) yeah but there are things that we can do there's also like a trash out app where you can kind of map out trash that's near you so that other groups other cleanup groups um, that are looking for areas near you can come and help clean up. Oh, that's so, that's great. Yeah. Look at people making the world a better place. Yeah, even during these trying, trying, times. unprecedented times. Unprecedented <laughs> times. <laughs> yeah. That's more uplifting. I think it's important to talk about the good things that are happening with people's efforts. Mm-hmm. Because so often we're hearing about these terrible numbers 
and pollution and the ice caps yeah. and like all of this stuff and you forget that there are people good people trying to make a good difference right and they are they are they're succeeding in that mm-hmm. um yeah and i think that's important to talk about too not just the doom but also the hope no for sure i think we don't talk about the positives enough just because by nature when we think about news we want to alert each other on things to like take caution to right so we should also do our due diligence in celebrating the successes and the good Mm -hmm. that people are accomplishing at the moment so that it can continue to motivate and encourage us because like now this is quoting Like, one of those chain emails my Asian mother got oh my <laughs> growing up. But also, if you watch Crash Landing on You, the K-drama, like, the tomato plant. <laughs> like, if you say only bad things, this, so. if you say only bad things to, like, a plant, right? It's not. it might not do as well. It's uh-huh. not going to do as well as a plant that you only say good things to. Okay. It's, like, actually an experiment. No, I know it's scientifically yeah. proven. Yeah, so I feel like we need to not just focus on the doom and gloom. Oh. That's where I was going with I like this. that. That's poetic. That's relatable. Maybe the delivery could have been better. No, yeah, I mean, like, the psychology person in me is like, well, never mind. I was, like, pointing, I was poking holes in it, but... Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, focus on what you can do. Focus on the impact you can make. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about, Shane? There's another... Okay. <laughs> you sure you don't want to have your own podcast like, game? No, this is like, again, catharsis. Oh, like... <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, I think both of us can speak to this or like relate to okay. a certain point, but working as like a second gen, mm-hmm. right, in this country... Mm-hmm specifically being Asian Americans mm-hmm. in the workforce. Mm-hmm. East Asian Americans. East Asian. Yeah. What is that experience like? <laughs> Are we still talking about sustainability? Or no, like no, in no, no, no. In general. Oh. I think like finding your identity. Oh, I mean, that's kind of like on my whole podcast. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... Our experience will probably be different because our parents are pretty different. Mm-hmm. My parents, like, went to Rutgers and... they and my went... dad did, too. Oh, really? Yeah. For grad school or undergrad? So he got schooling before. and then America? Came... No. Okay. Back in the Philippines. Okay. And then when he came here, I guess it's, like, secondary, like, second time. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Like, when he got his degree here. Oh. But, like, he received some, like, college-level schooling. Oh, okay. Back I mean, there. technically my parents got even high school schooling mm. here, so they're a little different. Yeah, um, and then my mom went to college in Mississippi and Iowa. Oh, yeah. okay. Maybe not too different, actually. Yeah, I, I would say, like, my parents are fairly Americanized. Americanized. Okay, then that was um, a bad assumption for me to make. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just assumed your parents were, like, all my other East Asian friends' parents. Mm-hmm. Because um, I honestly, I mean, not that it's an excuse, but for context, like where where I grew up, very predominantly East Asian and South Asian um, Americans, and everyone was like, their parents came when they were 40, and like, or grad school or medical school or whatever, and like their parents are very, I guess, like fit the stereotypes of like very still attached to the country they came from and like very much upholding those traditions and cultures and there's a very big 
um, discrepancy in the generation that was born here mm -hmm. and why they're not anything like the generation that was born elsewhere. Um, what were we saying? Oh, finding your identity mm -hmm. as an Asian American. Especially um, second gen. Like, if your parents are immigrants. Yeah, I think my parents weren't that bad, um, given that... I mean, okay, so I will say they definitely, like, guided me towards accounting, which obviously didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, but to them, it was just like, yeah, go to business school, do accounting, that's stable, you'll have... that's safe, mm -hmm. you'll have um, a consistent income, it's a profession. Um, and that's kind of what that was also like a lot of my self-worth in grade <laughs> school was riding on being a student and mm -hmm. a good student at that um i think in college was really when i started to realize that i needed to th figure things out for myself right. and not just follow what my parents suggested um because the reason i just followed what they suggested is because i wasn't thinking for myself i wasn't like well what do i want to do with my life mm -hmm. what do i like to do and i think i talked about this in my adhd episode that i think at this time when we're talking is not out yet but hopefully will be out by the time this episode comes out <laughs> this is so weird the timeline um i did talk about adhd and how that played a major role in how i had to wake up and think for myself and mm -hmm. advocate for myself and really know myself and in that I had to translate that somehow to my parents who didn't really understand ADHD mm. or the struggles I had with mental health because of it mm. um, as, as in terms of finding my footing um, I'm still figuring it out I think yeah. we're both very early on in the game of figuring that out mm -hmm. um but with regards to my parents, it's been a little difficult at times because I think they have a certain perception of what success is, of what a good job is, quote unquote, a good job, um, quote unquote, what a starting salary I should be getting. <laughs> and they're always asking me like, oh, when are you going to find another job? Or like, what are you going to stay here? Like, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I'm, I recognize that maybe where I am right now isn't where I'm going to stay but I am, I'm content where I am. I am mm -hmm. grateful for what I have right now with regards to my job. Um, so it's kind of discouraging to have them be kind of not satisfied that I'm not working like an office job or a city job or being in corporate, which I think I'll be really great in. You know, like, um, I think that's really what I struggle with is just them not, I'm, I am more okay with my circumstances than they are, mm. if that makes sense, mm -hmm. yeah. You, yeah. me, <laughs> me. I think I was fortunate enough that I think my parents kind of just let me mm -hmm. have free reign. That's nice. <laughs> like do what I want to do. But of mm -hmm. course, like growing up, like lots of extracurriculars. Mm. Um, but with the intention that I can figure out what I like. Oh, okay. And don't like, okay. and then also just have experiences in like different areas that I might not have tried on my own and mm -hmm. potentially those skill sets can you know be transferable yeah. to another place in life um so I was lucky in that regard I think growing up the town that I grew up in um I was like one of three Asian Americans Ooh. in elementary school but mm -hmm. then that number would always increase 
moving to middle school and then to high school and mm-hmm. then of course college right mm-hmm. oh, yeah, college. Um, <laughs> of course um but like growing up I never felt very Asian or like I oh. was not conscious of almost this dual identity of mm-hmm. like that Asianness and then also like the quote normal mm-hmm. Americanness. I think I became more conscious of it like in the later years of college and then especially in the workforce now <laughs> where um, my first exposure to the workforce was you know predominantly not me like I felt mm. extremely different the minority I felt like the minority and I think there's like a lot of pressure to assimilate mm. I think not not from necessarily my parents but mm. you know imposed by like self-imposed yeah by society by society yeah. but also like knowing what your parents had to go through as immigrants right you kind of take on or shoulder that expectation that you too should be sacrificing hmm. something or at least that's what I experienced so I oh, kind of just kept my head down and did what I thought was expected of me because I think what I'm finding now is that this is through therapy <laughs> as context. Um, I think what I'm finding now is that, yeah, I did hold guilt mm-hmm. because my parents sacrificed so much. And they, they're quick to remind you of mm-hmm. how much they've like come to this country so you can have opportunity and blah, 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 blah. Right. And um, and I think about that coming to a country that is completely foreign to you. Mm-hmm. You don't know the language. You don't know anyone here. But you do it because of the potential of having something else, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what the second gen does with that potential and that freedom probably doesn't look like what your parents imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. And here I am starting a podcast, <laughs> um, not super vigorously looking for a new job in the middle of quarantine. Mm-hmm. And... I'm using the privilege my parents gave me to explore something that I love and I'm, I think I'm good at, mm-hmm. um, but it's not what they pictured for me, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and there, so there's a disconnect there. Mm-hmm. There's a place where we can't meet because my parents want me to use the privilege they afforded me and I'm using it, but we're using it in different ways, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so that's kind of where I am now with that is kind of like, I feel like I'm more okay with where I am than my parents are mm-hmm. because they had this vision of what my privilege would manifest. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think personally, it's kind of like, I know that my parents are happy with where I am and I too am happy with where I am, but I think it's also some part of you just considers, well, is what I'm doing enough to validate their efforts Mm. so Mm. that's something that kind of just sticks with you and like we're all in the phase of just being okay with what we have (laughs) and what we have to contribute our own measure or Mm. each part but I guess like back to the thing about like transitioning into the workforce and realizing that you are kind of the other Mm. I think it's like especially when you share like a background that's deeply rooted in a different culture it's kind of like you're in no man's land Mm. where it's like you're not east asian enough or like Mm. you're not american american enough. enough so like sometimes i remember like being told that 
like maybe I was just talk like casually talking to a friend Mm -hmm. in a room and then my parents would like tell me later on like oh like like they would just make some comments and like then what it when it what it came down to is kind of like oh it sounded like your like so-called like American meaning not like East Asian friends Uh they sound like more confident wow they said that they said that wow so now I'm like second guessing (laughs) I'm like what do I sound like like I think I got frustrated as a result with like finding my voice and like Mm. how much I'm vocalizing Mm. what I'm thinking how much I'm synthesizing and then am I balancing that with putting that into words and advocating for them so I think like like in college I had a rough time yeah with like do I even have an opinion on I remember this yeah I I I remember this I was like crying I was like I don't have any opinions um Mm. so it felt like I didn't have I couldn't contribute value to the conversation but what I'm recognizing right now is just it's just like my own nature it's not necessarily tied to a stereotype per se or like a cultural thing or upbringing but just personally I like to synthesize everything and get all the information first Mm -hmm. to kind of find my opinion and formulate my response before I vocalize it and that's enough yeah but also if it was the other thing that's also very valid mm-hmm. and you're allowed that as well yeah that's who you are that's a very interesting point you bring up about this like dual mm-hmm. identity and if you're asian enough or american enough and the in-between is being asian american <laughs> i don't know if i had that at work i think i've just always been a very vocal person mm. but i guess in a way i in a way that's like never been a hindrance for me with regards mm. to like oh this asian girl's really loud mm. i don't think that was ever that was ever mm. something that people kind of projected onto me mm-hmm. i think like another thing a lot of us might have experiences because we're also of like a younger generation and like joining mm. the workforce right yeah. so it's like there are some general <laughs> perceptions about our generation yes. right <laughs> yes so like being able to recognize the situation where you you know give and take and collaborate mm-hmm. and then giving recognizing when the situation is calling for you mm-hmm. to step up and kind of correct it <laughs> or like voice your so stand side. up for yourself stand up for yourself. yourself speak yourself yes but at the same time it's also knowing that it's not solely your responsibility mm. to share your side mm-hmm. that you know learning it's a two-way street right mm. one person is sharing the other person is receiving and the mm. other person has to be willing to receive so mm. i know like I think this came up in conversation with other people that I've spoken to regarding being like Asian, like Asian American in a work in the workforce. It's like, when is it our responsibility to share with others what our what pieces of our culture or our upbringing is to Mm -hmm. find to be on mutual ground or a a sense of understanding, Mm -hmm. and then when is it the other person's responsibility? to do what they can to learn and broaden their horizons. Hmm. 
That's interesting. I don't think about that. <laughs> if I'm honest. Mm. Well, I don't but I don't know if that's me being lucky that I don't. But I think that's a very interesting point. I mean, I could also argue like is that necessary? Do you feel it's necessary to share that part of yourself mm. in the workforce? Mhm. I don't know if I'm quite relating exactly, but I definitely am the minority at work as well. There's only one other East Asian person in the office, mm-hmm. and I'm he's a man and I'm a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, different stereotypes, obviously. Um, but I do hear like very stupid comments about driving and mm. uh, just stupid things, offhanded comments, especially with COVID. A lot of things are being said about mm-hmm. a certain group of people. And okay, I think I I think I have an answer for you because <laughs> I'm thinking about what people have said. Yeah. And when I had to To me it's not sharing my culture, but rather sharing how what you're saying mm-hmm. affects me, mm-hmm. even though you don't think it does. Mm-hmm. You think what you're saying affects the people who live in Asia, mm-hmm. not the Asian Americans living here in the States. Mm-hmm. You think it's separate, which in, in a way it's nice because you don't think of me as the same, right? We're different. But at the same time, you think you're only harming one one group. First of all, don't do that because mm-hmm. <laughs> don't harm people. Mm-hmm. But you're actually harming another group who's trying to live as an American in this this country that doesn't view us mm-hmm. as American enough, mm-hmm. right? So I think when the times where I felt I had to stand up for myself, I will say, I don't see it as necessarily sharing my culture, maybe I'm not understanding you particularly, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I needed to share my experiences as an Asian American until I felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. I felt and I don't mean physically unsafe. I meant like people would be judging me or there'd mm-hmm. be a preconceived notion of me or they thought they could say these things in a space that was supposed to be safe for me to work in. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um so in that case, I would voice why I was uncomfortable and why something was not mm-hmm. appropriate to say. Mhm. With the context of my race mm-hmm. with the context of my experience as an Asian American. Mm-hmm. Um so I would say at the very least defend your safety. Mm-hmm. Defend your comfort because that's your right. Mm-hmm. Um you're you deserve that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately you have to fight for it sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If, I don't know if that was related to what you were saying. No, it is good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks Kim for coming on my podcast and just being a great friend and support of everything I do. <laughs> thanks for coming to my place <laughs> with a laptop and your mic. Yeah. Um and grabbing food with me. This was a fun catch up. Yeah, and now we can like look back on it. I know. That's, honestly, that's, that's <laughs> It's nice to be able to look back on it. Yeah, like yeah. things we care about at this moment mm-hmm. um, and how our viewpoints may or may not change. Yeah, and also just like the silly things we talk about, but also the serious things that we yeah. talk about too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is my outro song. Oh, I was made for this. <laughs>